On this episode of The Playbook, I have Gabby Cohn, who is the global head of integrated communications and marketing at the incredible company, Harry's. And we're gonna find out why a master's in tourism and a bachelor's in fine arts and theater at Syracuse would be the best background to be a key executive of a billion dollar company. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I have Gabby Etron Cohn. She is the global head of integrated communications and marketing at the incredible Harry's. Uh, I think I should be the icon for Harry's, uh, but it would be inappropriate because I'd have to take my shirt off. Anyway, welcome Gabby uh, to the playbook. Thank you so much for having me. As my wife is going to cringe when she hears that, but in all reality, you know, you guys are a leading brand um, in the men's personal care products. I've been using them myself and they're amazing from the razors I use, the shampoo, conditioner, face wash, deodorant, gels. Uh, I go down the list and I think they're personally made for me. I didn't really understand the Harry brand. I thought it was for, uh, you know, Harry Jewish guys like me, but it's actually for everybody. <laughs> and now you even have women's uh, stuff as well. Um, let's take a step back though in building a brand because you have been, you know, just incredible through your career in different industries, building a brand. What are the basics? Because so many people today want to build their own personal brand, small business with the e-commerce side of things. And I don't think they understand how long, what to do, what are the basics of building a brand? Yeah. You know, I think really thinking about the power of brand is really identifying who you are as a brand, what you stand for, and how do you want to make people feel? Um, you know, I, I think that to me is, is so incredibly important is what do you want consumers to take away from you and how are they supposed to feel about your brand? Obviously, you know, zeroing in on what your product is and what that means in the world. But at the end of the day, it's about human connection. And so what do you want people to feel around, about your brand and say about your brand? And, and that's to me where you start. And how do you determine how you want someone to feel. So let's take some of the Harry, the Harry's men's products. What is the feeling that you want the consumer to have? You know, that, that it, it meets you where you are and that it, uh, it helps solve a, a problem for you um, that felt unsolvable before or wasn't done in the way that you felt like it needed to be, right? So our products are accessible, they're affordable, they're incredibly well-made. Um, they The scents are more intuitive, intuitive rather than I think some of, you know, traditional, you know, men's scents that uh, smell somewhat like a nightclub. These smell like shiso and fig. Um, so they're a little bit more subdued, um, but really around like our, our whole brand mission and brand ethos is not the same. So it's really around creating products that are not the same for men that are not the same um, and don't want the traditional products that have existed before. And how does price interplay when we're building a brand, you know, obviously in the commodity space, in a GNP space, price is always very sensitive, but it seems that there's certain brands that can transcend price, even in, you know, the mass uh, male uh, vanity space or mass male product space. How do you transcend price or decide on price when you're you know, tied into the frequency, the feeling, the emotional aspect of a brand? 
Price is, you know, obviously it's, it can be very tricky, uh, but there is value perception, right? You value what you pay for, um, but you also want to make sure that you're not, you know, that you're able to afford and be available to, uh, you know, a number of consumers. So it's really around, I think, value creation and in that, you know, brand is really an important part of that is like, is the brand meaningful enough for someone to want to pay for it? But is there also a level of affordability to provide you with, you know, access to a large customer base? So it's, it's really, for me, it's around perceived value. And in that, you know, context of making people feel a certain way, we, when I ran the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg, we would always have an athlete, which we built their personal brands early on in a traditional sense, tie into a charitable purpose or a cause of their own. And we felt as if that would help tie in a feeling or an emotional attachment, since people do buy on emotion for logical reasons. Um, what are some of those targeted areas that you do at Harry's as a goal, you know, to go beyond just the product itself? Are there certain charities, purposes, or causes that Harry's also aligns with to help the emotional aspect in what you do? Absolutely. So it's a huge differentiator for us. So we give 1% of our sales for every single one of our brands to mental health organization. Um, for Harry's, it's really around men's mental health. And, and, and since you know inception, we've donated over $6 million uh, to support men's mental health initiatives. Because men, it's something that they don't talk about. They very often don't ask for help, but they have you know high, high rates of, of mental illness and suicide. And so it's really around bringing this to the forefront and making men's mental health um, you know, both something that people feel more comfortable talking about and more accessible to get help. And so it's really a pillar of who we are. And, you know, I think it's, it also helps to reinforce our brand story and that every single purchase that a customer makes a 1% goes back to, to doing better and to supporting men's mental health. And also having a level of quality control. I know you guys have German factories, uh, but one of the things that I think differentiated your brand from other ones, you know, I'm a 53 year old guy. So I've used the same products for a long time, which has always been a struggle for new brands that, you know, I always call it the Dracar Noir problem that, you know, <laughs> your, dad, your dad used Dracar Noir. So you started using it and then you're just used to it. And yet, especially in some of the other products that you have, the quality is so superior. Um, but we don't understand that until we're able or capable of sampling it or trying it. What are some of the things that you do to allow people to be educated of the superior quality uh, that you pay for uh, in, with the products that you have? You know, so yes, thank you for uh, for noting our hundred year old German factory that we bought um, and continue to make razors there. You know, and and re really create best in class products. Listen, I think part of it is around certain like just product sampling and getting people handles and hands to as many people as possible, and whether that's through gifting or whether that's through um, your our omni channel retail retailers or, or direct to consumer. It's really around trial, right? I think a big important piece is just getting handles and hands, and so it's an it's a gateway for. For us is starting with the with the handle and then being handle and blade and then moving into other categories but again it's our you know it's our you know differentiator and so it's really around just being able to get the handles and hands to as many customers as possible and again because we're available both omni-channel so in, in you know many many retailers as well as DTC um, we're really able to uh, to you know reach that customer wherever they are. And your background is varied as well as we mentioned earlier about, you know, different industries that may or may not be applicable. One being SoulCycle, which is so well 
well-known. What are some of the things you learned at SoulCycle that are applicable to this space? I mean, I think first and foremost is like, how do you communicate with consumers, you know, and how do you keep them engaged both pre, uh, during and post that shopping experience. And so really around creating connection well beyond that one time or one time connection. We did a lot of it. We thought about our rides. It was very much around creating connection before the ride, during the ride and after the ride. And I, we think about it, you know, similarly with the, with the purchase experience, um, if, especially with something like a razor where you do need, uh, to replenish <laughs> pretty frequently, how do you create a connection and continue that connection with the consumer. Um, and again, no matter where they are. And I think with SoulCycle, we did that really well through both our you know, online channels and through our in-studio experience. And similarly with Harry's, it's like, how are you doing that both in-store when they're at a target, but also, um, you know, post, uh, you know, shopping experience and DTC and making sure that that experience is really mirrored and we're speaking the same language and we're continuing to deliver the same level of customer experience that you're getting in every single channel or, or outlet. I know we talked about the emotional experience uh, as what I call the sixth sense of marketing, but there are the basic five senses of marketing that create those marketing experiences that we have. And especially in male vanity and healthcare and your product line, uh, those senses can be utilized and also uh, amplified uh, to the best uh, of your value and messaging and communication. I think that's part of your genius that I've seen in your career from the companies that you work with is creating a six senses of a marketing experience. What do you do specifically for the touch, the smell, the, the even hearing, I know you use music. Uh, you, you really understand the six senses of marketing. What are some of the things that you do at Harry's to effectuate those six senses? It's, it's so interesting in that like we're starting to really think about scent marketing, right? Because that is a huge differentiator for us. And so how do you bring that into a retail experience? What does Shiso mean to a customer when they're looking at a product online, right? So how are you bringing that out? And it's something we're just starting to tackle. Um, but in my experience, when I worked with Weston or Sheridan in my early, early career days, um, it was, you know, we very much have, when we would launch a new scent uh, as an amenity program, we would then distribute that scent as soon as you walked in the lobby of the hotel. Um, and so it's like really mirroring that experience. And how do you take some of those experiences that I've had sort of in this hospitality? I mean, when you walked in a soul cycle, it smelled like a grapefruit because we had grapefruit candles that were our scent burning there. And it is, it is a sense memory that you'll still all smell it and say, Oh, am I at a soul cycle? And so how do you then start to bring those experiences into retail, which to me is such an exciting time. Um, and how do you, you know, what is the, what is the new scratch and sniff, right? How are you creating those opportunities? So customers can say, ah, now I get it. That's the unlock of this product. And that's the differentiator. But it, again, it's, it's, unless we're popping the top of a product, you're not necessarily getting it. So how are you bringing that through to customers when they're home? You know, what is the new version of a uh, member that, you know, magazine, as you say, Dracar Nirar opening up the scent strip to smell a cologne. How are we starting to do that in a new way? And so to me, that's what I'm most excited about. To your point is like, how do you work on, you know, sort of the six, six senses, six, uh, you know, marketing uh, channels and getting customers excited and really being able to tease out what that brand experience is. And the expansion, growth, and adaptation that you guys have been able 
to execute on, I think is a big part of the successes that you've had. So as you look to see and develop new products, even into the women's space and all the different body washes, shampoos and deodorants, and you're consistently, it seems like to me, developing even more and more new products, there is a danger in doing that if we go too far beyond what our brand that we built these experiences upon, but you seem to continue to successfully expand and grow. What are some of the key strategies you have for expansion into 2021, the second half in 2022? You know, so we we really want to, create products where there's a real customer need. And so, and this is specifically as we talk about under the Harry's brand umbrella. So we launched um, antiperspirant deodorant because it was our most requested product. And, you know, we had, we had over 1600 requests for antiperspirant deodorant. And so we spent a ton of time to develop the best product we could for our customers. Similarly, we just launched skincare. It was a natural extension to how our customers were using our products and another area that we knew that we could fulfill. And, and that's, you know, sort of as we think around creating new products from the Harry's brand perspective, where is there a customer need? What are our customers saying? And can we prove out a real case for this, um, you know, to, to meet both customer demand as well as market opportunity? Um, on, you know, sort of as we think about our new brands, you know, I think Flamingo was a perfect example of like, we weren't necessarily being, we, we knew that women were using our Harry's brand products, but and so there was a real opportunity to create a women's brand around, um, you know, around body care. And and out of that, you know, launched wax strips, which were a huge pain point uh, for female consumers. And no, no pun intended. Consumers. No pun intended. Yes, <laughs> no pun. They actually don't don't hurt. <laughs> right. um, but how to, you know? So we be we were able to create a product that that was far superior than what existed in the marketplace, and have like iterated on that product over time. Um, and so for us, it's really around like, is there is the, are there consumer need? Is there a consumer need? Is there a real customer pain point? And is there a real market opportunity? You know, I think for us, that's really thinking about like how do we um, I think cat person was another great example. So we have a cat care brand because there was no brand that really like was holistically taking, thinking about cat care, the way that people care about their and think about dog care, you know, and yes, dogs are man's best friend and I have two dogs and I absolutely love them, but people have that equally important relationship with cats and there was no brand serving cats in that area. So again, we heard that from consumers. We, you know, thought, is there a real market opportunity? Can we develop a superior product here? And we, and we can, and that's really how we think around expansion and, and product innovation. Yeah, Harry's is taking inclusion and equity to the next level, even to the dog and cat realm, which is amazing, uh, which brings up another issue is there's so many younger people that are looking to join teams like yours, teams that do and have inclusion, that have equity, that look to the greater good. I call them compassionate capitalists from the book that I wrote. Uh, you know, it's an extraordinary opportunity, but they also don't know what skills, what knowledge and desire companies like yours are looking for as you expand and grow. And I know you're always made by the people who work with you and you're looking for the greatest talent. What are the, some of the things that you're looking for in these young entrepreneurs that may want to join your team? You know, I think first is a level of a real curiosity um, and, and sort of, you know, asking why we do things. I always find that like asking a ton of questions, you'll, you'll really get to the end outcome that you're looking for. Um, you know, I've always been someone that's worked really hard. And so just like, you know, real, you know, 
I say, get your hands dirty and then also be incredibly strategic. Like I'm never going to ask my team to do something that I haven't done or wouldn't do myself. Um, so, you know, someone who will get their hands dirty and move quickly, ask questions. Um, and, you know, I think at Harry's, we were a really wonderful group of humans. And so I think kindness goes a really long way and, um, you know, making sure that we're bringing people into the fold that have that same level of, um, you know, consideration for other people and uh, just like, we love to work with each other and, and bringing that level of, of, you know, kindness to the workplace is really important. And, and being able to keep that, I feel like it's incredibly sacred. I'm lucky to be part of this team and, and having people who feel the same way. Well, you're speaking my language when you're speaking about kindness and to that measure, when we love the activity that we get paid for, sometimes it interferes with the activities that we don't get paid for and the love that we have uh, for the people that surround us that we don't get paid to be around. Uh, and having two children of your own, I have four children uh, and I am heavily involved in activity I get paid for and empowering others to get paid for their activities as well. I find it challenging uh, to have a weighted balance of what's most important to me. How do you prioritize your activities and your time? You know, it's, it's hard and I've gotten better at it over time. Um, I think I really try to stay present when I'm with my kids. My phone is, I try to keep my phone down and that I'm with them. And when I'm working, uh, you know, I do my best to stay present and be focused on work. Um, especially with working from home as, as we are, it is really challenging to create those levels, that level of boundaries. And, um, you know, I think also finding employers and teams who get that. And I think Harry's is that type of place where it's like, I have an emergency in the middle of the day and I have to go deal with it with my child or my kid and, and explaining the same to my kids. Like something came up at work and I'm really sorry, but I have to deal with it. Um, and, and understanding that um, that is part of this integration <laughs> versus a separation. And, um, and I think not being too hard on yourself. I used to be incredibly hard on myself because I felt like if I'm not, if one day I'm doing amazing at work, but I'm doing really poorly at being a wife or a parent. And then the next day it's switched. And I think giving yourself a little bit of slack um, every day is, a, you know, can be a challenge, but look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. You do not and cannot achieve perfect balance every day. And I went for the longer term balance equation, which was every day, as long as I take inventory of my personal experiential giving and receiving values uh, that hopefully at the end of my journey, I will have a complete balance of, you know, some days being 100% receiving, some days being 100% giving, some days 100% activity I get paid for, some days not. I do try to spend a minimum amount of time uh, each day vacationing and also spending time with my family. Uh, last question, because I'm really curious, just so many people get confused. I have a very eclectic background. Uh, you know, being an English and poli-sci major with an exercise science background, then going into the internet, you were a fine arts uh, major at Syracuse and then tourism master. Uh, but I'm a firm believer in developing skills, knowledge, and desire. What skills and knowledge did you acquire from fine arts and tourism that are applicable today, deeper into your career, you know, as the head of integrated communications and marketing at a major brand? I, so I was a theater major. 
And I spent more time than you can imagine learning how to breathe properly. But the one thing I really learned was about human connection and how to connect with other people and being a really good listener. Because in theater, you have to be listening or else when you're in a scene or else it's it's inauthentic. Um, If you're just waiting to repeat your line back, you're not actually listening and the audience can tell. Um, And so I really learned A, how to be a good listener, um, B, how to know who I am as a human and what makes me tick, um, and C, how to connect with others. Um, And to me, like those are are skills that I I could take anywhere. And so um, it just so happens that it works well in the in the career that I'm in. Um, but uh, I think human connection and understanding what makes people tick and being a good listener are things that like I will value forever. Um, and it made my BFA uh, in acting well worth uh, the four years of tuition. Uh, absolutely. And uh, you are a very active listener. I have taught people all the time, you know, there's interrupters, uh, which go nowhere, but especially in acting, you can tell the difference between an active lis- listener and a waiter where the person is just waiting to say their line, but not listening. And people do that in life all the time. They literally are just waiting for whatever you say so they can tell you what they think or read their line, in other words. So what a great lesson that is. Gabby Cohn is the global head of integrated communications and marketing at an incredible company and brand, Harry's. I am a firm uh supporter and user of as many products as I can get my hand on. Uh, Every time I try something new, I'm like, wow, why have I been using Old Spice for so long? But uh, I am your typical middle-aged white male that has been using their dad's and grandfather's products for too many years. I'm transitioning open with an open mind, open heart, and open hands. I suggest you give Harry's a try as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.